0: Hey, this is David Merrill, pastor of the Well Church. I would like to first thank you for downloading the app and listening to what God is doing through the life and ministry of the Well Church. I would also ask that before you listen to this message, that you would pray that God not only continues to transform lives through this ministry, but also that as you hear the word of God proclaimed, pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you in areas that your life has not been given over to God, empower you to repent and turn but also embolden you to be doers of the word and not simply hearers, in order that you become a light in your homes, in your schools, in your workplaces, and even in your local church body. Let us be radically in love with Jesus and radically in love with his people. Once again, I just thank you for listening and may God bless you abundantly. Happy Resurrection Sunday again. Um, I say Happy Easter, but it's Resurrection Sunday greatest day of the calendar for the Christians, for the church, really for the history of the world. Easter is about a bunny. Uh, Resurrection is about Jesus. You could have the bunny, all right? If you were here Friday, we had a good Friday service, and and I I made the statement that a holiday season is probably... Um it's probably my, my favorite Easter or Resurrection Sunday is my favorite season. Is my favorite time. I love Good Friday, Monday, Thursday. I love Holy Week, Palm Sunday, and Easter. But it's interesting that since I've become a pastor, um, Easter or... Now I can't say Easter in pure heart. Um, Resurrection Sunday is... Uh, man, it's become it's hard for me because it, it, as a pastor it becomes the day that it's like almost like it's almost like the super bowl for a pastor like you have to perform right like i'm the quarterback and we got to win like i've got to take this message and i got to present a message so that, that all the people that are coming in on easter or, or, or Sunday uh, everybody's coming in i've got to present this message so well so excitingly that the people are excited about Jesus excited about the resurrection and and i and i just I don't like that pressure, and and I feel like I I want to buck against that pressure. Even this week, I texted, I I called Alan, and I said, Alan, I, I think that I just want to do a prayer service on Easter. Is that weird? And he said, yeah, that's weird. Um... And, and he kind of talked me off the ledge, but it was not so much because, it wasn't because I, I felt like God was saying a prayer service, it was like, I just want to be different and radical and we're going to do a prayer service and stick it to them, you know, like that kind of mentality. And I started praying and praying and God just like, you know, humbled me and convicted me. And also he, he made it, he, he convicted me, that the fact that I felt like I needed to make the resurrection of Jesus even more exciting than it already is. It's absolutely nuts. Like, like, it's so crazy what we do with, the, with, uh, the, with Resurrection Sunday, with the resurrection of Jesus. It's like, you know, if I gave you, so I have a trillion dollars that I want to just give it to you. Does it matter how I present that information to you? Like, here's a trillion dollars. Here's a trillion dollars. Here's a trillion dollars. Take it. Does it matter? It's a trillion dollars. Like, I don't care. You could be mad. Here's a trillion dollars. I get a trillion dollars. And then the resurrection of Jesus. Does it really matter how I, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. (laughs) Our God, our creator died on the cross. He died on the cross and three days in the tomb and alive today so that we have life. It is the greatest news, the greatest in the history of the world. I don't care how you present it. You can't make the resurrection better. Because it's already the greatest story ever, ever, ever in the history of mankind. So what we're going to do this morning is we're not going to read the resurrection story um, in the Gospels we're going to be reading Paul's understanding of the resurrection and what Paul saw the result for us being the resurre- the result the result for us in the resurrection what do we inherit in the resurrection it's so important that we understand not just the fact that Jesus died and rose that's huge but what is the implications for us as believers why is it so important that we not only believe this but we also cherish this understanding this truth so first corinthians is where we're going to be if you have your bibles you could turn there it's also going to be on the screen but it's nice to have it in your hands first corinthians 15 verse 45 let's read so and as we have born born the image of the man uh, of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man now this i say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does corruption inherit incorruption i've got it from here, Alan. (laughs) Me and him are fighting, who's going to push it first? Uh, "'Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the corruptible uh, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality.'" So when the corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your sting O Hades where is your victory So we're in Corinth okay so so before we jump into this section I kind of want to give a backdrop to where we are because anytime you read the Bible you can't just jump in and you've got to know the context of the scripture we're studying. So it's like, just like anything else you do. If you're watching a movie, you can't jump in, watch five seconds of it in the middle of the movie, and decide, hey, I get it, I understand what's going on. Unless it's a chick flick, and then you get it. Okay? They, they fall in love, man does something stupid, and they fall back in love. It's, it's every movie. Um, but this verse, what's happening is Paul is the author of the Corinthians. Paul's the author of the Corinthians and he's writing to this church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, they are they're a powerful church, they're a big church, they're a strong church, but they have a nickname. The nickname of the Corinthian church is the carnal Corinthians because they have an issue with sin, okay? And they have an issue of calling out sin. Not so much the sin, but calling out sin and the doctrines around that idea. I mean, uh, you talk about like we like to get onto the American church a lot, but the Corinthians they were getting wasted at communion. You know, I don't know, I've never met a church that's getting drunk at communion, uh, but the Corinthians were. Like, they were struggling with all kinds of issues, fighting. They were suing one another, okay? They were actually suing each other. They were, one dude was sleeping with his mother-in-law, okay? So anytime you say the church in America is really messed up, okay, just think about it. Are we sleeping with our mother-in-laws? Okay, is that happening? If not, we're doing better than the Corinthians, okay? So... That's where we are, and Paul's addressing a lot of sins here, but because of their sin, what took place was they started to change uh, some doctrines and foundational doctrines. One of the most important doctrines is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection, like we said, is the most important holiday on the Christian calendar, and, and these Corinthians, what they were doing was they were had this kind of free-for-all mentality when it comes to sin, like you because you once you're in Christ and you enter into this faith as once you're a Christian, you know once you get the tattoo on your chest like we, you know, or, or get the tattoo that says you're a Christian, so everybody knows it doesn't matter how you live, you go live how you want. a lot like the church today. Yes. right? let's be honest once you're a Christian, you know, I do me, you do you, don't judge me. We're just going to kind of do what we want to do under the name of Christ, and, and that's how it's going to operate. But the problem is that when you live under this mentality and not surrendering to the doctrines of Jesus and living for, for Christ and living how he's called us to live, the problem is your life gets messy. Make sense? You see, let me just be honest. I mean, like, it's not that, that God can't take what we mess up and jack up, and God can't change that for his good, because he says he will. But the problem is, when we are walking and operating in sin, our life gets messy. When you are a bad boss because you're greedy, you're, and your job is, and, and people are hurt in your business, and your business is falling, it gets messy, because, not because the world is wicked, it's because you're sinning, and you're not walking in the way God calls you to walk. When you are, you know, getting involved before marriage and you have a baby and it confuses everything. Now, the baby's not the sin, okay? The baby is, the, God can use that and God's gonna bless that. God's not saying, this child is cursed because, no, don't, they don't hear me. But the life gets not the way that God called you to live. And your life gets a little confusing, a little messy. Divorce, guys, life gets messy, marriage counseling, all kinds of things. Life gets messy. Now, the problem is, is unlike the Corinthians, unlike even the church today, rather than saying, okay, this is because I've walked outside of God's plan for me, and I'm going to repent and give it to God so God can do great things with my life and turn from my wicked ways, as the Bible says, rather than doing that, what happens is we change doctrine to fit our messy life, to make sense of our messy life. And I see it all. Th- I did youth ministry so before I did uh, pastor, and and I'll tell you, um, I don't know which one's easier, um, youth or adults. All y'all are messed up, but uh, the youth. This was huge in the youth youth uh, program was you have a guy, and usually it doesn't start off, the guy who falls in, you know, who's wanting to follow Jesus in, in, in high school and college age too, want to follow Jesus, want to get really, uh, and live for Jesus, but what happens is that because I, I'm carried away by my flesh, I, I meet a girl, the girl's beautiful, she's sticking her goods out there, you know, hey, goochie, goochie, you know, and it's like, oh, oh, I love her, I do, I love her so much. We've been on five dates, so it's only natural that we now take it to the next level of physical intimacy and uh, God's okay with that because we love each other, right? Every single time I watched it. All of a sudden, God's doctrine, the God's command, God's, oh, I really want my business to succeed. I need the money. So if I lie here and cheat here, God's okay with it because everybody in my company is blessed because they don't lose their job. And so we start to adjust doctrine to fit our messy lives and to satisfy our physical desires rather than saying, okay, I want her. She is drop dead gorgeous, but no, no. Okay. Satan lives there. She's a devil temptress, right? Like that's, that's what I told my wife before we got married. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I did, uh, you guys, it's amazing that this woman still married me. Uh, I almost stabbed her with the fork on the first day. We called her a devil temptress, said she has hippo hooves uh, when, we got, when she got pregnant the first time. I'm just not I, Now I'm thinking, like, I need to repent. And I feel like I need to leave and go talk to my wife. I feel bad. Um, but what was taking place in the Corinthians is the same thing. You see, the Corinthians, they had this doctrine. They wanted the lust of the flesh. But there was a doctrine that I kind of affirmed this lust of the flesh there was a doctrine called deistic dualism where basically your flesh and your 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 outer shell all of this is just worthless it's sinful it's broken there's no hope for it there's no restoration there's no this is just you just do whatever you want your 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 body's gonna sin it's gonna commit adultery it's gonna commit murder it's gonna do whatever it needs to do it doesn't matter because it's not about your flesh it's about your spirit as long as your spirit's saved then your flesh can do whatever it wants right that's the that's what was going on the corinthians wanted to gratify their flesh and so they loved this actually attached to this and see what happened was they started changing their doctrines around the resurrection of jesus saying well jesus actually didn't rise from the grave in the flesh because if jesus rose from the grave in the flesh then that would completely debunk this attitude that the flesh is worthless that the flesh is going to be destroyed, the flesh is going to be demolished, that it's about your spirit and your spirit alone. So they started saying, It doesn't matter. You don't have to believe that Jesus is in the resurrection. You don't have to believe Jesus resurrected in body. You don't have to believe any of that. You actually can believe in your heart, maybe Jesus rose in spirit. Maybe it was an illusion. Maybe all the disciples had this kind of, you know, uh, you're smoking some devil's lettuce or something. They might have heard that where they just kind of hallucinated the resurrection of Jesus as long as you believe Jesus lived Jesus died that you don't have to believe that he rose in bodily form because there's actually people who teach this doctrine today there's cults that teach this doctrine the Jehovah's Witnesses teach this doctrine they don't have to believe in the resurrection physical resurrection of Jesus Christians believe in this doctrine but here listen to me you can call yourself whatever you want but you cannot call yourself a church if you teach this doctrine and you can't even call yourself a Christian if you teach this doctrine because this doctrine is so false, and it actually has so many implications, so foundational to everything we believe, that from the beginning of the story of Christ's resurrection, the the government, the world, the people have been trying to destroy the resurrection of Jesus in in the flesh, because everything else will fall apart if Jesus's resurrection is destroyed. I've heard so many different stories. I mean, Jesus never died. Have you heard that one? Jesus never died he just he he was so beat that he kind of fell asleep or, or passed out or whatever went into a coma and then he woke up in the tomb and he got out Have you ever heard that story You know, but I want you to practically think about this. Jesus lost two-thirds of his blood. He was was crucified. So his skin was ripped off his body, okay? So all of these things happened to him. He was so weak by the time they put him in the the tomb. If he was alive, imagine a half-dead person who could barely breathe is now gonna go push a stone by himself Okay, not to mention, let's just say he does. Let's just say, because he's, he's Jesus and he could, he, he kind of figured out how to lever. He, there was like a, a stick in there and he levered his way out. Okay, just imagine he does, but he could barely move. He's lost all of his blood. Imagine half dead Jesus going up to the disciples I'm alive. I resurrected from the grave. You, what are the disciples thinking? This dude needs the hospital. This dude needs help. Let's bandage him. He never died. They're they're not gonna be motivated at that point to go die for Jesus's resurrection, okay? Like, there's no logic behind any of it, but they they know that if you could disprove the resurrection, you disprove it all. And you have to believe in the resurrection of the dead. And I don't care what you call yourself. If you don't, there are foundational truths that we we cannot vary on. Jesus is the son of God complete deity he's not created he, he he humbled himself took the form of a man he died on the cross to carry your curse your sins he placed it on the cross it died he resurrected on the third day in the flesh and now is at the right hand of the father these things we cannot vary that we are saved by faith through grace and in christ right that's what we are that's how we are saved not by works but through faith in the grace of christ now listen we can argue about other things We want to debate. I call them kitchen table theologies. If you want to figure out and debate and argue about when Jesus is coming back, is it pre or post or mid? Let's do it. All right? We'll we'll debate it. But we don't mess with this. We don't mess with resurrection Sunday. We don't mess with Jesus coming from the dead, and that's what Paul's point here is. And he's teaching them about the gospel, the simple gospel. He says, "Don't change the gospel. Don't change." He says, like, "I received the gospel." Literally, Paul is telling the Corinthians in the beginning of this chapter, "I received the gospel." Now, when we think about the Corinthian church, we often think, "Well, it was easy for them because they saw Jesus rise, right?" No, the Corinthians never saw Jesus rise. It was Paul, the apostles, and then the 500 in Jerusalem that saw Jesus rise. The the Corinthians never saw it. They had to have faith that he resurrected just like we. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are those who have faith and believe who do not see. So we are more blessed because we have faith who do not see. But the Corinthians, just like us, have to have faith. And Paul is saying, look, don't stop. I know that the resurrection of Jesus is a stumbling block. I mean, how many of y'all... When you're talking about Jesus resurrecting from the grave, it feels weird to talk to an atheist or an unbeliever because it's such a crazy story, right? It's a stumbling block, right? It's a stumbling block for this world, the world who are perishing, not for the Christians, but for the world who are perishing, right? A man literally rose from the dead and now ascended to the heaven, the right hand of the Father. It's a stumbling block. And and let me tell you, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here because I'm gonna try to get back, but um, let me tell you this. If you believe that your job is to make the gospel more palatable for people to receive it, then you're always going to present the gospel and dumb it down, just like the Corinthians. Let's change it, let's adapt it. Jesus didn't resurrect in bodily, because that's a stumbling block. Jesus, you could just believe that Jesus is a spirit and he resurrected in spirit. You don't believe all of this stuff. You start to change the gospel. If you believe your job is to make the gospel more palatable so people can receive and come to life from death to life, if you feel like that's your job, then yes, you're gonna change the gospel. But listen, your job, my job, is not to change people. The Bible says this: the gospel that changes people. You have to have faith that the gospel, the simple gospel, the gospel that is offensive, the gospel that is radical, the gospel that actually changes. you got to believe that that's going to change people, that the Holy Spirit's going to actually speak through the gospel to change lives. But we try to tweak with it. We try to mess because we think it's your job. We think it's my job. It, it, depending on how I present the gospel is going to determine if this person is going to be saved or not. So we say things like, okay, let me tell you, Jesus loves you, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it start with that, okay? Um, now, the, it does say that Jesus loves you. God loves you. But that's not the, the present, presentation of the gospel. And then when we do get to sin, we don't want to talk about sin because you're special, right? You're adorable. Your mama's a little angel. But we do talk about sin. It's like, "Okay, hey, you're a sinner. But it's okay i'm a sinner we're all sinners everybody's a sinner <laughs> it's like imagine a doctor okay a doctor coming in and saying okay, okay, okay david or, or, or don you have cancer but it's okay everybody has cancer it's it's actually a lot of people have it Like we'd be done like, we're done with that doctor, no more going to him, that's, he's not, because you don't make light of something like that. Guys, the Bible, but we don't want to offend somebody, we don't want to make somebody isolated, we don't make somebody feel like, oh, they, 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 I don't want to feel, they, like, they're judged by me, so we got to say, well, everybody's a sinner, we're all little wicked sinners, you know. Now, the Bible says we want them to be offended. We want them to be, feel the condemnation, to feel the weight, because the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And when you understand who you are in the presence of a holy God and the sin that you have, it's, that's what breeds repentance, and that's what leads. See, if you grow up, you see, go, go on the street today. I dare you. I'll challenge you. Go on the street today and go, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll make a bet. All right? It's gambling. There's Nowhere in the Bible does it say we don't gamble. Uh, (Laughter) That's a Baptist thing. Um, but I'll bet you a dollar that if you go somewhere, ask anybody, do you believe you're going to heaven, that they will say yes. I don't care if they're a believer or non-believer or whatever. They're going to say, yes, I believe I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I did good things. I didn't, I didn't you know, but what the Bible says, and then you can ask them, have, have you lied? Yes, you're a liar. Have you been angry at somebody? Yes, you're a murderer. Have you stolen something? Yes. Thief. Have you used the Lord's name in vain? Yes, you're a blasphemer. Have you committed lust in your heart? Yes, you're an you're a adulterer. Have you disobeyed your parents? Yes, you have disobeyed your parents and deserve to be stoned in the Old Testament. <laughs> we should bring it back. <laughs> so yeah, you're a thief. You're a lying, murderous thief, an adulterous thief, and yet you're a good person. Because... You're never going to be blown away by the gospel of Jesus Christ if you think you're a good person. We've got to trust that the gospel knows, what, that God knows what he's doing, that says that we start with, look, this is where who God is, this is who we are. We've got to trust that the gospel, we don't need to make it more palatable, and so as people receive it, because I promise you, if people are receiving your watered-down version of the gospel, there's not death to life taking place death to life takes place through the power of the spirit through the presentation of the true gospel and i don't know where i am in the sermon but we're going to get back um so yeah okay paul is saying don't dumb down the gospel but then he goes on and this is this is where he gets exciting he says look what's the point he's trying to pigeonhole them he says if you don't believe in the resurrection what's the point of you being here really like why are we here not even just on Easter Sunday, you know, Resurrection Sunday. Why, are you come to, why do you come to church? She said, if, de- if, he, if Jesus did not rise to death, all those who died in the, in the past, your Nana, who died as a believer, she ain't coming back. She's dead. She's dust. It's kind of sad, right? There's no hope. You ain't going to see her again. You ain't seeing up, You're not seeing Pop Pop again. It's gone. It's over. It's done. The only hope that you have for Nana is that, that she will decay and worms will eat her and poop her out and make dirt. I don't know how the, the, the scientific knowledge, I don't know how it all works, but there's dirt that's involved. And then some bird flies overhead and drops a seed on Nana's dirt, okay, and grows a tree. And she contributes to the ways of life, okay? If Jesus didn't resurrect, Paul's saying, there's pointless. We're all dead. There's all it, We're all done, You ain't seen anybody ever again. That's kind of depressing. But but Paul says, no, 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 no. But here's the thing. Jesus did resurrect. Jesus is alive. And so then Paul anticipates the argument of, well, how does this happen? How does the dead raise and with what body? That's what they're going to ask. How does the dead raised... And with what body? Like, Paul, you really believe that the dead are raised? Okay, Jesus, I get it. Jesus was raised from the dead, but how are the rest of us raised from the dead? Like, you know, all these people who have died, you really believe that Jesus, uh, that, that we are going to be raised? How many of us have ever asked that question? How is that gonna happen, the resurrection of the dead? How many of us have ever thought about that? How's that gonna happen? Question that. Paul's got a very profound answer for you, okay? Paul looks at you and he says, you're gonna ask how are the dead raised? And with what body? And some of y'all are thinking, I want to know the answer. Paul says, you fool. It's very sensitive for Paul. Paul calls you a fool. You know how they say there's no dumb answer questions? Paul says there is. This is one of them. He says, you fool. You're asking the, dumb, the dumbest question you could ever ask. Why? Because God's involved. You see, the only only thing you need to believe about the resurrection of Christ, you just need to believe the first verse of the first chapter of the first book. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. And if you believe that, then you can believe that God, who spoke life into dust and Adam, can bring the dead to rise and people are like well but how does it all really work out because what about the people who were cremated right those people who are cremated and their ashes are spread everywhere I mean, what about the people who maybe got caught in the fire and they're burned to death you know or the people who died like hundreds of years ago now they're all decayed or or the guy who you know died in the ocean drowned he's on the bottom of the ocean like you know a titanic what about those people what about there was that guy who got eaten by a bear you know and he got pooped out like what about him can, can, can really God resurrect a man who was pulled, uh, pulled out of a bear's butt? Yes. Answer, yes. I mean, the King Jimmy would say he stinketh, but he's coming alive. <laughs> he stink. He's, God can resurrect anybody, and he's going to resurrect all the saints. It's a dumb question because God's involved. And he says, well, how is this going to be? What is this going to be like? You know, with what body? Paul says, look, like I said, all you got to believe is that God created all things. This is a dumb question because you just trust, 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 trust God. But, so he says, Here's the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Here's the dead. This is how it's going to happen. But then he gets into the verse that we just read, and you're going to notice two phrases, two words, shall and must. Now, that's the intro to the section we just read, okay? Promise it's not going to be a long sermon, okay? We're going to get through. Um, But shall and must. Pay attention. Shall, must. Shall, must. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. It must happen. It must happen. It must happen. He says this, And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Okay, as we bear the image. So he says, we will bear the imago Dei, the image of God. Now question, don't we already bear the image of God? Yes, we do. But here's the problem. In Adam, because of the curse of Adam, that image is stained. You are your body. This flesh is decaying. It's it's corrupting. It's, It's dying. Look, you know, we try to stop it, you know, we get things tucked, we get things pulled, we go to the gym, we get things implanted, you know, butt implants, calf implants, cheek implants, all kinds of things to try to fight the decay. But I'm sorry, this may offend some of y'all, but gravity wins. It does. I'm sorry, and it doesn't look right all the time, okay? So just like let the beauty of wrinkles and gray hair just be. It's wisdom. Somebody like no, that's 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 sacrilegious. Okay, you do you. I'll do me. I want to be gray. I want to have gray hair and flowing gray hair. A man bun with gray hair. Um, it's wisdom. But, okay, so the body's gonna decay. We're living in this body. It's not perfect because of the sin, okay? There's sorrow, there's suffering, there's all kinds of things. You could work, you could take vitamins, you could take all this stuff, it doesn't matter. You know, we do all that not for the quality, a quantity of life. We do that for the quality of life, okay? We take care of the temple. You cannot guarantee tomorrow, so you're not working out so you can live another 100 years, because you can't guarantee another 10 minutes. But we can guarantee for that 10 minutes that you're gonna have a better quality than if you didn't take care of the temple, okay? So that is the case, but, regardless it won't last forever but then he says but one day when jesus comes back and he calls us to life we will have this resurrected body body soul and spirit will all be changed will all be changed he says but for now for those who die they go to sleep now there's this doctrine that's out there that says it's the soul sleep doctrine Saying, well, the Bible says that when we go to sleep, it's like we sleep. So it's not really death, you know, so it's saying that we're going to sleep. But, but and basically what they'll say is that, well, now that means that when you die, there's a resting period. So when you die, you're going to go to sleep for five years, 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, 2 million years, till Jesus returns, you will be sleeping, Okay that's what the soul sleep doctrine. Now some people teach this, some people believe this, but listen to me, it is completely false. It is no rooting in scripture. Paul does not teach this doctrine. Paul, see the reason why Paul uses the phrase sleep is because in Christ, listen, hear me. Listen, in Christ there is no death. There's no death. In Christ, you do not die. You will not die. You sleep in the sense that your body looks like it's sleeping, but you, absent from the body. You see, this idea that when you die, there's this this period where you're going to wait, that's not what Paul says. Paul says you don't die. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And Paul says that when he was on his, you know, he's doing his ministry, he says, Man, I I just, I long to be with Jesus. I wanna be with Jesus. I know I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be doing my ministry and doing everything, but I just want to be with my Savior. I wanna be with Jesus. If Paul believed in the soul sleep doctrine, does that make sense? That would be like, okay, y'all are driving me nuts. I just need to take a nap, you know? And now Paul is on like 1,960 years of napping, you know? And so, I, I mean, I just wore out and I need a nap. That's what Paul's doctrine and theology would be. But that's not what Paul says. He says, there's hope. When I leave, I'm not dying. I'm transferring. It's like a, it's like a teleporter, right? Like you, you're in this flesh, you go to sleep, and you're with Jesus, there's no death. And people say, well, well how, what is that going to be like? How is that going to, I don't know. I've never been there. Okay? What's it going to be like? I, I don't know. But I will say this, that think about this way. Every good thing that you experience in this, because a lot of people say, well, I don't know. Am I going to be bored? Is it going to be awkward? I, I, I love this world so much. There's a lot of good stuff that happens in this world. I don't know if I'm ready to go see Jesus. Guys, every good thing, love, contentment peace your excitement the things that we all of that is from a source and do you realize that we will be in the presence of the source of pure love see we experience love here but it's through sin we experience joy here but it's through sin we experience goodness but it's staying through sin imagine being in the presence of pure goodness the source of joy source of hope, the source of life. There's nothing on this earth. I don't care how, there's nothing because you're going to be in the absolute presence of the source of it. And listen, this is what they say hell is like. This is what the Bible says. It says hell is absence of God. Now listen to that. Um, Amongst other things, I'm not going to even get to the torment all the things the Bible says, but I'm saying this. Imagine a place where you have no love, no hope, no goodness, no joy, no peace. And I'm not talking about like, oh, that's like a, oh, we say, oh, that's like a hell, or they're they're in prison, or no, there's still hope there. There's still love there. There's still goodness there. No matter where you are on this earth, you experience a bit of God's goodness, love, joy, peace, patience. You experience it. Imagine all of that, the void of it all. Sorry to depress us, but that is not for those who believe. For those who, in Christ, we will actually be in the presence of goodness. And, and then Paul says, I, I went to the third heaven. Paul Paul got a glimpse of it. Now, the third heaven, don't get confused by that. We have three heavens. We have the birds, where the birds fly. We have where the stars are. And then we have what we know as heaven. So we call it the sky, the um, outer space, and heaven, right? In the Bible would just say the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. So Paul says, I went to the third heaven, and I saw heaven. I saw what it's like. I saw the glory of God. Goodness, I saw the purity of God. And he says, I can't even tell you with words. There's no words in the human language what it's going to be like. It would be illegal for me to go tell you what it's going to be like. So let me, this should throw red flags for people who say, I died and went to heaven, came back, and let me sell you a book for nine nine nine, 1099, to tell you what it's like. Guys, listen. I'm not saying God can't show us because God does. You know, John, John's got to see heaven and got to see glimpses, and he wrote things down. But we should be cautious, because Paul said, "Man, it is so amazing, it is so good." But then he says, Now, this I say, brethren, that the flesh and the body cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet from the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Can you guys imagine this? In the twinkling of an eye, your flesh. Now, when does this resurrection happen? It doesn't happen when you die. You die, you go and to be with Jesus, absent from the body and spirit with Jesus. But when Jesus comes back, all of you, it says that the, the dead will rise first because they got six feet farther to go, and then uh, we rise. Some of y'all didn't get that. Uh, then we rise. The living will rise with Jesus, and we all have resurrected bodies like that. He said, we will never be tired again. Could you imagine that? I remember growing up and I used to walk, get home and see my dad sleeping on the chair every day with a cat on his chest. Was, and I'm like, why is he always sleeping? I get it now. I mean, with kids, they I can't sleep enough. Like, I, I wish I had more nap times. Um, I kind of, the soul sleep doctrine does sound appealing. Um, but... Never being tired in the twinkling of an eye, you will be in the presence of God, in this flesh, in the flesh, because Jesus rose in the flesh, your flesh will be glorified, restored, and be with Jesus for all of eternity. Well, is heaven gonna be boring? What are we gonna do in heaven for all of eternity? I've said this before. I don't know what you fools are gonna be doing, but I'm gonna start at Jesus's baby toe and worship for one million years, then move to his bigger toe, move to his bigger toe, and then once I get done with his toes, I'm gonna go up to his ankles and then start worshiping every hair on the calf of Jesus and go up his thigh and worship his whole body. Get to the, After one billion years, uh, I'm going to start worshiping his head. And then I'm going to say, you know what? I'm done with every hair on the top of his head. I forgot how glorious his baby toe was. I'm going to start back down at the bottom of his feet and I'm going to be worshiping Jesus. And then after a hundred trillion years, I might go take a bathroom break. I don't know. But I'm going to be with my Jesus. I'm going to be with my Jesus, guys, for all of eternity. We will be in the presence for all of eternity. Listen, for all of eternity, you will actually realize and get to experience what your eyes are made for. You don't even know what your eyes are made for. You haven't tasted it. You will get to see what your mouth was made for. Because right now, it's all stained. Right now, it's through a shadow. Right now, it's through the curse. But you will get to see what your ears can actually do. What your nose could actually do, what your senses will actually be capable of, you don't know yet. God will redeem and restore and make this body imperishable, incorruptible in the moment, in the blink, in the twinkling of the eye. The Bible says, just like that, in the twinkling of the eye. Everybody, blink like that. Boom. You're restored, you're renewed, you're changed. I can't wait. I can't wait. There's actually scholars scholars who said, you know, and this is, is anecdotal, but basically they said, well, Jesus, when he called out Lazarus, he said that Jesus had to say, Lazarus, come out. Because if he just said, rise, the whole grave would rise, right? The whole grave, and I, I, I mean, I, you know, was, like I said, it's not scriptural, but, but I, I mean, truth, truthfully, if Jesus just said, rise, who's rising? Let's do it, all right? Our Savior said, rise, let's go. Everything, great, you know, it'd be, it'd be um, and that's where the Bible says, King Jimmy says he stinketh because he's been there for four days, and he still rose, okay? Verse 53, all right, let's, we're almost done. This is where we come to end, and this is what's so important. For the corruptible must put on incorruptible and this mortal must put on immortality. Listen. The reason why it's so important for Jesus to rise from the dead in the flesh is because he's the first fruits, is what the Bible says. He's the first fruits. If Jesus doesn't do it, then you don't do it. And if you don't do it, then all of this is for nothing. It's worthless. The Bible says, eat, drink, and be merry. Seriously, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we should go out of this room. And there's so many other things. There's, there's so many better hobbies to do than to sit in a hot room and talk about a man who died and never resurrected. We could, I mean, we could go buy a boat or get a friend with a boat. You don't ever want to buy a boat, but You want a friend with a boat, you know? And, and like there's better hobbies the, the point the, the reality that's so important that we understand that Jesus not just believe but know Jesus rose from the dead in the flesh because he is the first fruits which means one day no matter when you die if the Lord tarries and you go into the ground you are sleeping absent from that body is present with the father look I know there's one thing I know for sure 100% is that if I die if Jesus does not come back which I believe with everything in me guys i believe it. everything in me that we will see the rapture the rapturous, the harpazo of our lord jesus christ catching up the saints before we die in this generation i believe this is called the generation of john the baptist where jesus is coming back we're heralding the coming of the king i believe the rapture is going to take place soon i really do but if i'm wrong i am not wrong in this that if i die i will come back to life this body will rise it'll look a lot better there will be no more FUPA. For those, that's a front butt. I just, I won't have tattoos. I have none of that perfect, glorified body. I know that 100%. I have no doubt that when I die, I'm not breathing my last breath. That I will be standing before my creator. That's why we this why this matters. It matters because Jesus is alive. It matters. The reason why it matters that you go today and you go tell your, your children about Jesus and the resurrection, and you go tell your, your children about the gospel, it matters because Jesus is alive. The reason why it matters that you go and leave and go to your churches or go to your schools and go to your gyms and go to your workplaces and go to your grocery stores and tell people about Jesus. The reason that matters is because He's alive. The reason it matters that we don't just live how we want to live in the flesh and let the flesh take over because it's destroyed because jesus rose in the flesh a lot he rose alive that it matters it's why we live the way we live that's why we do the way we do that's why we do act the way we act That's why we speak the way we speak because it matters because jesus is alive he's not dead he's alive in the flesh and we will be resurrected too you will be resurrected death has no sting I feel like somebody in this room needs to hear that because they're terrified of death. I feel like people in this room need to hear that because maybe something, in the, they, they, they are terrified of the idea of what happens next. No, listen to me. This is just the beginning. You're going to stand in the presence of pure goodness, pure joy, pure love. Which means that when Jesus says, do not fear man because what can man do to you? Man can just put you to sleep, right? We call it death. They kill you. That's not, they just put you to sleep. And you're with Jesus. Jesus says, fear me though. I have the authority. Guys, I pray that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes our lives, that it propels us to not just worship once a year or think about it once a year or just say, oh, that's nice. He resurrected from the grave. But I pray that it changes our lives, that we leave out of this room and we live for Jesus Christ because we serve a God who's alive because he resurrected. And this flesh will be resurrected too. Let us pray. Let us pray. Father, we thank Jesus. I praise you for the resurrection of your son. God, I thank you, Father, for the, that you sent your son to come to this world, that you loved this world so much that you sent your son to die for us. And God, I, I pray that the resurrection never becomes common to us or old. I feel like, guys, tell me right now that I need to tell, just speak the gospel. I feel like the gospel needs to be heard this morning. And the gospel is this. that We serve a holy, holy God. We serve a holy, holy God that created the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens and the earth. He created every single thing that lives and breathes. But he created us in his image, the Imago Dei, the image of God. And but because of our pride, because of our wickedness because in the beginning Adam and Eve they walked into sin but that curse that sin has now been passed on from generation to, generation to generation to generation to generation and now we have a dilemma a holy God who created this these creations who created this prized possession who he loves but cannot be around and has to judge and punish the, the gospel is it starts with you are a sinner before a holy God and I pray that convicts you and offends you And crushes you. But it doesn't end there because God sent his son knowing that the perfect sacrifice had to be paid. The perfect life that obeyed the gospel, obeyed the laws of God so perfectly that now is laid on the cross so that you do not have to die and be punished. He took the punishment of sin and death. The Bible says, for whoever believes in him puts their faith in him. And when he resurrected, he took the sting of death. And when he resurrected, he made a declaration to all who live that, look, death has lost its sting. And I in me, you now have life. And whoever confesses Jesus as Lord Whoever confesses that Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, I lay my life into you, you are now, I die to this flesh, to this sin, I live my life in you, I confess you as my Lord and I believe in my heart that you did resurrect from the grave in the flesh and then one day I will resurrect with you. Paul says in Romans that you will be saved. Nobody in this room is saved because they're great. Nobody's in this room is saved because they're awesome. And ultimately, nobody's in here that's saved because you said some prayer 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. The people who are saved in this room are saved because the Holy Spirit has taken their dead bones and brought them to life. Taken the dry bones and spoke life into them. Have taken dust and brought life. And So I pray right now in this room that that takes place, that the true transformation that the gospel delivers, that the Holy Spirit will bring through the gospel, I pray that it takes place in this room. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that we can trust in the gospel. That we, we don't have to earn this because we can't. We do nothing to earn this. But it's all because of your blood, it's all because of your life, it's all because of your death, Jesus. Jesus, in your resurrection.